We're going to start in Luke chapter 2 this morning, the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. It'll be on the screen here. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And then in Matthew... We get the story of the wise men's visit and uh, just a fraction of that story here, Matthew chapter 2, 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So I know you know the details of this story. You got it memorized. I don't even need to read those Bible passages to you, but I I just want to point out that these wise men, these magi, that traveled to see the baby Jesus came from Persia, what is today Iran. So through the desert, at whatever time of year it was that this happened, uh, they travel hundreds of miles, nearly a thousand miles from what is today Iran to the city of Jerusalem to find the baby Jesus because they had seen the star in the sky. The Bible doesn't say there was only three. Traditionally, it's three because there was three gifts. But Actually, there's some sources that believe it it could have been a whole caravan, a whole group of people that came to see this baby Jesus because of the star. And I just want to point out this morning that they traveled a long, long way for a long time to find this new king that had been born. And the shepherds, when the angels appear to them in the field, they have to go and find Jesus. The angels give them ancient world GPS directions. You will find him lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. But they don't drop Jesus in their lap. They have to go find him. God is not hiding. He tells the shepherds and the magi exactly where and how to find this new baby, this new king. But then they have to move to find him. God is not hiding, but he is waiting for you to come and look for him. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Yes. There's another story from Exodus, the story of Moses and the burning bush. Exodus 3, 1 to 4. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was not burning with fire, or the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. 
And so when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. So again, God is not hiding. God shows up as a fire in a bush, but in the distance. And Moses sees it and says to himself, I need to go have a look at that. I need to go see what that is. And after God sees that Moses has dropped his daily routine and his responsibilities and come over to investigate what God was doing, then God speaks to him. In your life, God is there. He has something to say to you. He has something to do for you. He has your problems to fix and your storms to calm, but he is not necessarily going to drop those things in your lap. He's going to make himself available and wait till you show up. God sent his son to earth, but then told the angels where to find him. He didn't just appear to them. There are a few Bible stories, a very few, where God just sovereignly, automatically, without invitation, just shows up in somebody's life and does something to them. It happens. But much more often, God sends a prophet to tell the person what to go do. We have a response to make to the word of God. We have a response to make to the gospel. God is there. He has revealed himself. He has shown himself. He's invited you. But he's such a gentleman that he waits until you show up on his turf. He's not just going to appear and take over your life and solve all your problems. There's an invitation, but we have to, O come, all ye faithful. Here's another story from the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 6. Now about the fourth night of watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. When they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. So the Gospel of Mark tells this story of Jesus walking on water, but it leaves out the part of Peter getting out of the boat. Um, that's in other Gospels. I don't know why Mark doesn't tell that part. But here's Jesus walking. There's a storm on the sea, and the disciples are professional sailors, professional fishermen. So this is a big storm because they're afraid for their lives. And Jesus comes walking on the water, and he would have passed them by. You see it? Until they cry out for help. And notice they, they think he's a ghost. They don't even have any faith that it's Jesus. They cry out in fear, not in faith, and he still answers and fixes their problem. But he's such a gentleman, he's going to walk on by and let them continue struggling with their problem until they cry out for help. You may be in such a desperate storm in your life right now that all you can pray is, help, Jesus! That's enough. It really is. It's enough. He will answer. But he's going to walk on by if you don't ask for help. We, he is there. He is not hiding. He's in plain sight, but you're not going to recognize him until you ask for help. You see it? He's right there. He's right there in front of them, but the disciples don't recognize him. They think it's something scary. And he's going to walk on by 
we have a response to make. We have a prayer to pray. Next story is the day of the resurrection after the morning events at the tomb that we usually talk about on Easter Sunday and so on. This is in the afternoon. Later on in the day, he's walking down the road with two men who knew him personally, but after the resurrection, they didn't recognize him like everybody else. They didn't understand that he was alive, so they weren't looking for him. But here's the walking on the road with these two men, and they drew near the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? These two men are in distress because Jesus has been crucified three days ago, and they were his disciples. Please get this. Jesus is walking with them. He is talking to them, and they don't know it. It's the exact same with you. In whatever situation you think, God, why are you silent? God, where are you? Why aren't you fixing my problem? Why aren't you? He is right there on the road with you. But our eyes aren't opened yet. Until it says they get to the village and they're going to go into the inn. I'm going to pull aside at Denny's and have an omelet. And Jesus says, I'm going to go on. And they pull him in. No, stay with us. Please, come in. They constrained him to stay with them. And so they pull him into the booth at Denny's. And they sit down, and he, of course, he breaks the bread, and, and their eyes are opened in faith. They see, this is Jesus, and he disappears. And then they say, did not our hearts burn while he talked to us? When he spoke the word of God to us, did we not burn with fire on the inside? You're never going to see God's plan and his will except in hindsight. After he's done what he's done, then you can look back on the path of your life and say, oh yeah, that's what he was up to. Hmm, now it makes sense. We're never going to see it while it's happening, except that he is right here with us, talking to us. And in the meantime, he expects us to catch on when he speaks to us and our heart begins to burn. Some of you are in situations where you're wondering, where is God? What is the, the direction where I'm supposed to go? What's his will? Why doesn't he solve this problem? Why doesn't he fix this? Why doesn't he heal that? You have all these questions. He's right here with us, but we can't see him. Just like these two men. But he expects that when he speaks his word, that our hearts will burn and that we catch on. Oh, this is Jesus. Even though I can't see him. Even though it seems like he's not with me, I feel it in my heart. When I read his word, when somebody speaks his word, I feel it. He's there. He's up to something. He's teaching me something. And after the fact, you will see, oh yeah, it was Jesus all along. God was there. I didn't have any reason to be afraid. I wasn't alone as I walked through that. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. God is not hiding from you to be mean. 
or so that you won't find him. He's not being silent to see how much you can suffer through and still have faith. He's not uh, teasing you by saying that he's real and then not showing up. He shows up in everyday life in very real ways. But we have to perceive it and move to wherever it is that he is and whatever it is that he said to do. So the angels tell the shepherds exactly where to find Jesus. With the wise men, he shows them a star. With Moses, it's a bush on fire up on the side of the hill, a long ways off, and Moses has to go and investigate. So as you go through your day, you're just tending the sheep. You're just working your job. You're just raising your family and paying the bills or whatever. Every once in a while, there'll be a burning in your heart. God expects us to pay attention to that. Whether that's in the checkout line at the Walmart or with your waitress at the restaurant or he wants you to give to this person or say something to this person or write that note or make that phone call or give that money or whatever it is that he says he expects you to pay attention and you move and then you find God. He's not going to part the sky and just sovereignly take over and solve your problems. He's much more of a gentleman than that. He's going to walk right by your boat. While, when you think you're about to drown, he's going to walk right by and look at you. Say, are you going to ask for help with that? Or do you think you got this? If you think you got it, I'll keep right on moving. It's okay. I'll let you have it if you want it. You cry out, and he'll stop and turn and come and calm your storm. He's waiting for a response from us. He really is that humble. He really is that gentle. He has all power and all wisdom, and he can solve any problem you've got, but he's going to wait for you to invite him into your boat. Even if it's in fear, instead of great apostolic faith. No, these guys who are going to be great apostles are terrified. So obviously they're in real trouble because they know what what a little storm is and what a big storm is. And they cry out in fear, and he still solves their problem. He is that good. So what does that look like in our daily life in the 21st century? Well, it looks like every day you make time to constrain Jesus to meet with you. The men on the road, Jesus would have gone on, but they constrained him. They pulled him into the restaurant. No, don't leave. We want to hear more. They didn't even know who he was at that point. They just knew that what he was saying was really good. It was full of life. So 10 minutes early, you set your alarm and you get up and you just sit down. And it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of attitude and the position of our heart and the focus of our mind. Okay, God, before the kids get up, before breakfast, before anything, before work, I just, I give you my day. Here I am. I sanctify my day to you. I sanctify my heart and my mind to you. Whatever you give me to do today, Lord, I will do. I will pray, I will worship, I will serve, whatever. And when I feel your presence passing by or I feel that burning in my heart, I will stop and I will pay attention. Even when I don't see it yet, I'll pause. Oh, okay. I think the Lord wants me to do this now. And it's not anything where God's going to hijack your whole day and you're not going to get done what you need to get done. You just give him your day. And then as you go through it, you pay attention. Constrain him. 
is he isn't going to interrupt. He's going to wait to be invited. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. And he's not playing hide and seek because he's cruel. As uh, Bill Johnson likes to say, he's not mysteriously bad. He's mysteriously good. Yes. He is very mysterious. But he's mysteriously good. He isn't playing hide and seek to be cruel. He isn't being quiet to make you suffer in faith. It is, who's going to seek me out? Who's going to invite me in? In Revelation, he's standing outside the door of his own church, outside the door of your own heart, and he's knocking on the door, waiting for you to open it. He bought you with his blood, and he still waits outside for you to invite him in and give him your day, give him your attention, give him your heart. So again, it's, it's 90 seconds, or it's 10 minutes, or it's whatever sweet hour of prayer yours is, whatever your schedule is, it's the end of the day, it's the beginning of the day, it's the middle of the night, it's your lunch break, whatever it is, I just intentionally put everything else aside and I constrain Jesus to meet with me. I'm, I, and I'm, I'm using the words, the Bible said they constrained him, really it's us constraining our own heart. And I get my own mind and heart constrained to think of nothing but him. To get my attention off the bills and off the work and off the relationships and it's just you, Jesus, just you. What? I just want to tell you, hi, <laughs> I love you. I don't want to go through my day without letting you know that I remember and that you're good and reminding myself that I am yours. I don't belong to my employer or my family. I belong to you. And, I'll, and I'm here. It's just that. It's, just, it's, not a, it's not a legalistic amount of time or some set activity. Yes, it's in worship. Yes, it's in prayer. Yes, it's reading his word. But however that fits for you, make holy time to force yourself and Jesus to meet together. Because he will just stand by and watch you race through your day and be stressed out if you want. He's got an answer to 12 of those problems. If you'll just turn and look and ask and just wait. Amen? He's there. Because who we don't want to be is the other group of characters in this story. It's the Pharisees. When the wise men show up in Jerusalem and they show up at King Herod's palace and they say, Where is the king who's born, who, the baby who's born, king of the Jews? Herod and the Pharisees both know they mean the Messiah. The Jewish prophecies of the Jewish scriptures about the Messiah, they know who they mean. And instantly, without even having to look it up, the Pharisees say, oh yeah, well the prophet says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And the, and the Magi, oh, thank you very much. And they take off for Bethlehem. And the Pharisees don't go! They know where the Messiah is supposed to be born. And they're not watching. They don't care. Oh, well, we'll know him when he shows up. And God shows up in front of their nose and they don't recognize him because they're not looking for him. That's why God is hiding because he wants the people who are looking with faith and love to see him and those who don't care are completely blind. Do you know where the Christ child is going to be born and they don't post the lookout? And then when shepherds and wise men show up saying, he is there, they don't go to check it out. It's shocking, hard-heartedness. That the, the outsiders 
see a baby and know that it's God. And the religiously highly educated, the ones who are supposed to know, don't care enough to go. It's not who we want to be. We want to be those who say, like the shepherds, let's go now. The shepherds said, let's go now. And they went with haste and searched out Jesus. That's us. Let's go now.